What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Doing this one actually from the hotel room in Atlantic City, so different background than usual if you're on YouTube or viewing anywhere else, um, except for the podcast platforms because that's only audio. Appreciate you guys. Hit the like button, subscribe, comment, share out, buy some merch, join as a member, five stars and have a podcast. There's so many things that you can do that can help us out, and we appreciate that. I bought one of my own shirts off the shop. I'll be getting that shortly, and I'll be wearing the fuck out of it, so there's just that. But uh, a lot of stuff going on today for the episode. The second half will be a discussion with my man, Jigaman Porto. From the Morning Brew Sports Channel, him and Hector and a lot of the other guys do a great job over there. But uh, we had some real fun talking in the second half of the show about the Jets, some possibilities about the game, the Giants, and a lot of fun stuff. But of course, we have to do some only Giants stuff in the first half to really make sure that all bases are covered. So we're going to go through the injury report, the slot wide receiver battle, the backup edge battle, Bobby Johnson, is he on the hot seat? Um, top matchups, players to watch, and then the discussion at the end. So be here for it. We appreciate you guys. So as of Monday's practice, here are the following players that were injured and off to the side. Nick McLeod, honestly at this point, I think McLeod may be out of a roster spot. Unless he heats up before Saturday's matchup, I think he might be out of a roster spot. And I'm going to really go on the same thing with Tyree Phillips because he has not played a single preseason game either. Now, it honestly depends how much the New York Giants really like these guys. Because I think Tyree Phillips is a little bit more suitable in some circumstances. What I mean by suitable is he would probably be the best swing tackle the New York Giants have at this moment compared to Matt Parr, Corey Cunningham, Wyatt Davis, Julian Davenport. They could probably, and this wouldn't really result to anything in the Giants' favor, they could probably keep him on the initial 53, and then if the injury is long-term, they could say, okay, first three, four, five games you're going on IR, bring in a swing tackle from the outside market or trade for one. Or if he heals up by week one, then you could just say, well, okay, we're going to keep a roster spot for him. But... Knowing that he didn't play in the preseason, it's still a little bit of a risk. Now, Nick McLeod, obviously he played a ton of games last year for the New York Giants, but that doesn't really mean that he's going to make a roster spot. He's versatile in a couple of different areas. The practices he played in, before he got hurt, he really excelled, especially ball hawking wise Didn't really show that last year, though. So, he could play this week and if he doesn't I think it's over for him in terms of a roster spot because the Giants could probably look at another corner in free agency there was reports out there that William Jackson the third is working out with the Giants to be fair um I hope he has his shit together because apparently he was a cancer in the locker rooms he has been in so if he's got his shit together if he wants to be smart tough and dependable Listen, uh, we will welcome you at Big Blue, but he also played four games last year, so we have to prepare for that. And again, I know, he's probably not starting unless he gets the slot corner role, which moves me to Cordell Flott. I think, in my honest opinion, and I really don't want to say this, I think Cordell Flott is totally out of the slot spot. 
I think that's over with. Now, will they sit there and go to somebody else in free agency or the waiver wire? I think it's very possible. I think it's very possible. Cordell Flott's going to make the roster, obviously. He's a third-round pick from last year. I think maybe now they start to value him as an outside corner, as a depth corner. It's going to be tough to really break in, though, because you have Trey Hawkins, who's really looked good, Deontay Banks, who's going to start automatically, and Adoree Jackson. He's not going to break that starting lineup. And it's interesting because if you ask me coming into the year, no, I wouldn't have thought that Trey Hawkins had the possibility of starting week one. Now, in terms of that slot corner role, in terms of that, um, it's not going to be for a starter role, at least in my opinion, because I think what they'll do is they'll place Adoree in the slot. And we talked about this, I believe, on one of the last shows. They'll place Adoree in the slot, and then Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks is the outside corners. Now, the problem that could potentially come up during those situations is what if the best receiver is going against Deontay Banks or Trey Hawkins? Those guys are going to go for a ride, and obviously you're going to expect that, but uh, we'll see what happens. Jason Pinnock, I'm not too concerned about his injury as long as it's long, not long-term. This week, play Alex Cook, play Bobby McCain, play Dane Belton, all those different guys. I mean, McLeod's hurt, so you can't play him at safety, but play those guys. I mean, it's you know, Jason Pinnock has had a hell of a camp. I know it probably won't average out to the regular season, but hey, listen, you know, give him the rest. Tommy Sweeney, this one came up as of recent. He did not play again in the game against the Panthers. So I think he's out of a roster spot. Obviously, I mentioned in a lot of these roster bubble videos that availability is the best ability. And Sweeney, yeah, he had a touchdown from Tommy DeVito. But not being available in the second game, it kind of hurts. And I know Lawrence Cager hasn't gotten a ton of attention. Ryan Jones hasn't gotten a ton of attention. So... They could either stick with Cager, in my opinion, or go outside and say, hey, listen, we're going to get this third tight end from another team. Gary Brightwell, I think that two things could happen with him. Same thing with Ryder Anderson. They could either cut him, cut them both, or they could save a spot and then say, okay, we're going to put you on IR for the first few games or hope that they're ready for the regular season. Same thing applies, as we talked about, McLeod and Tyree Phillips is – you're going to really go into the season knowing that these depth guys haven't played in the preseason. Like, what if Deshaun Corbin shows out and he doesn't make a roster spot, gets picked up by another team, but you have Gary Brightwell because, hey, listen, he was a sixth-round pick and he did well on kick returns last year, at least maybe up to their standards, not up to mine. So just a couple of possibilities thrown out there. Cam Brown did not play in the second preseason game. I still think he makes the roster because of the special team's value. The Giants really haven't had good special teams, as we all know. So I think he makes the roster. And then Jack Anderson, who has played both preseason games. But with that being said, that O-line hasn't looked great. Let's be fair and honest with ourselves. Run blocking has been poor. And they could look to the outside. He could be pushing for worse players to make the roster. Like Shane Lemieux, he might make the roster. Who knows? Sean Harlow, he could make the roster. I predicted him to originally make the 53. So Anderson, for his sake, he hopes, we, or I should say we should hope, not really rooting for us, but in terms of him in a roster spot, I think he's got to suit up. Depending on how serious the injury is, he's got to suit up on Saturday. 
So that's the injury report and a little bubble talk right there. Let's talk about the slot wide receiver room competition. Now, number one is Paris Campbell. I think we all know that. Sterling Shepard, he's been healthy, but he's played more outside. So that just shows you what this Giants offense is looking to do in certain situations. They want speed, speed, speed. Now, Khalil Pimpleton, um, he's had four receptions, 34 yards. He's caught every single pass that's been thrown to him. So that's a good thing, but he hasn't had any outside value other than that. I mean, he's playing with a third team. And no punt returns for him yet. No kick returns for him yet. Yeah, he's done that in practice, but they haven't put that into a real game. And up to this point, it just seems like he may not make the roster. I don't know what it is that they don't value him back there. I would love to see him back there, but I guess that's all up in the air and whatnot. Um, one player I want to talk about is Cole Beasley. Now, he was impressing in practice. I didn't think he was going to make the roster until the Lions game. I'm like, this guy's putting up some serious competition. To Jamison Crowder, um, Khalil Pimpleton, and some of the other guys that are competing for a slot spot. Now, here's the thing. He did not suit up against the Lions. I don't know how serious the injury is. Is he still practicing? We'll find out over, I should say, is he not practicing? I guess we'll find out over the next few days. There's a lot of things that go into this. Would they rather keep a healthy Jamison Crowder who does offer some special teams value, though it's been a few years. He's caught four passes for 50 yards. So he's been an impact over the past two games. But with Beasley, they've been looking to sign this guy for the past year. There were a couple of situations where money didn't work out because the Giants were low in funds. They got the funds. They signed Beasley. And would they really want to release him? I'm not saying favoritism is 100%, but, I mean... He was in Buffalo, knew the system, solid receiver in his prime, still can create some burn in the slot. So those are all the things that can come into it. Cole Beasley, Shepard, Pimpleton, Crowder, and I think Shep and Campbell are already locks. So that slot wide receiver room is going to be very interesting. Like people thought, oh, well, you know, the Giants have 30 slot receivers. No, they don't because Shep can play outside. I bet you... Crowder could play outside a little bit. And it's only going to be, what, out of Beasley, Shepard, Pimpleton, Crowder. Only two of those four guys, in my opinion. And Shep is already there. So those are just my thoughts on the slot wide receiver room competition. Now I'm going to move to the edge four battle. And it's really been an up and down type of thing. I don't know how true this is. So take this with a grain of salt. But I saw on Twitter that one guy that the New York Giants would absolutely love to get their hands on is a guy by the name of Julian Aquara, who's a Notre Dame product from a few years ago. His career has been riddled by injuries, but because of the lack of production at edge four, edge five room, they would love to get their hands on him. And I wouldn't mind it because, look, edge four, edge five, you're not really caring at that point about Injuries and some other stuff. I mean, yeah, dependability, availability is the best ability, all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, Julian Aquara's potential, he was a former second-round pick, so he's got talent. It's just whether he executes on the field. I would take that over O'Shane Zimenez, who's looked quiet this preseason. He's also mulled versus the run. He's bullied. You see that on every single running play snap. He's just thrown out of the play. 
So that's the unfortunate part about it. I mean, whatever, but Hobble Baldonado, he was quiet versus the Panthers. He was a quiet cat. Didn't do much of anything. He had one quarterback hit, and, and that was it. Now, maybe to the Giants, that's good. That's like, okay, he almost got there. But then again, too, hasn't made a ton of plays versus the run. And that's really where you look to his teammate, Sean Bauer. Now, yeah, I get it. We're arguing over edge four, edge five, whatever. But edge, uh, Sean Bauer has looked really good, in my personal opinion. Now, last preseason, yes, he had like four or five sacks, got on the roster, didn't make a single impact play for the Las Vegas Raiders. But he's a guy that's set the edge well. You take a look at last game for Sean Bauer. going to pull up the uh, stat sheet right now. Let's see where we got Sean Bauer. He had a quarterback hit, so that's probably about the same value as a guy like um, Haba Baldonado. And then he had five tackles, a pass deflection, and a tackle for a loss against Detroit. So, yeah, you know, the two sacks, it's really one if you think about it on the stat sheet for Haba Baldonado. But they're also looking at guys that could play the run. You know, um, Jihad Ward can play the run, not much of a pass rusher. We know the first two guys, what they can do. So it's going to be interesting. I think Tamon Fox has had a quiet good preseason. Obviously, he had that good quarterback hit on Nate Sudfeld, which caused the interception for Jason Pinnock. He also had a sack against the Carolina Panthers. And quarterback hit, tackle for a loss, three tackles. So in my opinion, Tamon Fox is making this roster. Now, I didn't expect it, but I think he's going to make the roster. I really do. And they need to pile him onto the roster with somebody that could be competent. And whatever they see fit, right? A guy who defends the run, guy who's a good pass rusher, whatever. Julian O'Quara could be that guy. And he could probably be over Tamon Fox on the depth chart once you welcome him in and start formulating what that room is going to look like when you're doing regular season practices. So, in my honest opinion, Tashawn Bauer and Tamon Fox have the best chances of making the roster right now. I'm not even saying that Deshaun Bauer is going to be like, oh my God, he's 100% on the roster. No, no, no. But he's looked good. He's looked solid. And Tamon Fox, I think he has the best chance. Baldonado, I think he's going to have to step up versus the Jets because their second and third team O-lines are pretty garbage. And not to say that ours isn't, but I'm just saying for rosterable purposes and whatever. And uh, O'Shane Zimenez, I mean, how much of a leash are you going to give him? He hasn't made any plays. So... Before we get more to the game prep, I saw this on Twitter, and it's been, like, rotating around. And it's been talked about on YouTube a lot as well. And that's Bobby Johnson. Bobby Johnson, the O-line coach. Now, people are saying this rotating line is garbage. You know, Josh Azudu's still not looking right. da 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 I'm going to sit here and say, look, there's definitely concerns, right, with development on the O-line. Right, There's a lot of things that have to go right for th- this year for the Giants to be a top-tier O-line. Now that they probably won't be. But, you know, you at least want to have an O-line that's capable of pass protection. Now, they did a solid job when Daniel Jones was out there. Obviously, Glowinski had that one pressure where Jones escaped the pocket. That's just who Glow is. I don't think coaching is going to fix that. I think it's a lack of upper body strength issue for him. That's my personal opinion. But also, it's not Bobby Johnson's fault that there's a lack of talent in the backup room. You can't coach these guys up to be pro bowlers. Wyatt Davis is not going to do that. Corey Cunningham, not going to do that. Sean Harlow, not going to do that. 
And they're not even playing solid for, like, backups. You know, they're not playing at Tyree Phillips level like last year. They're not playing at Dev Hamilton level, who unfortunately was released due to injury, and he lost out on his spot. What I will say is this. There is a lot of things that could be up in the air in terms of Bobby Johnson's job, and that would start with rotating offensive linemen. In my personal opinion, I think they need to stop. Yeah, you know, it's preseason, all this other stuff, but you need to find a solid five. And to be completely fair, I don't think the solid five at all, like even you take Ozudu or Bredesen or Glowinski, whoever the hell out of it, I don't think the Giants are going to play their starting offensive line against the Jets. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it will be Tyrod Taylor mixed with some of the ones, maybe JMS, the twos, however, however you put it, right? But you get into the regular season, and if this is still the case, I would, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not, because you need a good starting five out there. If Azudu's not ready, stop fucking pushing it. And you also have to wonder, okay, Azudu, what's going on with him? Is his hand placement still bad? Because that's coaching. Like, that's on the player course to go out there and correct that issue but it's also on the coaching to say look you're still not doing this shit correctly and he was a third round pick from last year just like Cordell Flott and I'm not going to sit here and say oh well the 2022 draft class blah 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 no I'm not going there what I'm going at is a lot of people the Giants room in general is banking on the development of Josh Azuda because once Lewinsky's gone next year, and I'm going to tell you that right now, I think Mark Lewinsky's gone next year because you get out of his contract, Azudu's going to be the expected starter. And if they don't feel ready, they may shift Azudu to backup guard, backup tackle, which is really something you don't want because you had high hopes for a third-round pick. Third-round picks are not really backup tackles in this league. Obviously, late in the draft... You start picking up your backups, whatever. But Azudu has somewhat of a high expectation to perform this year because he didn't have a good rookie year. I'm going to go to somebody else who did not have a good rookie year. That's Evan Neal. Now, he looked solid against the Carolina Panthers. There's no doubt about that. He gave up the one sack, maybe a few bad plays. But if he doesn't, and I think Evan Neal is the type of guy who has that work ethic. You could just see it in him. He wants to get better. He's excited to play the game of football. This has been his dream. And some guys just don't have that heart across the league. But as far as Evan Neal goes, he's got that work ethic. However, if he is not up to form of a first-round pick or up to a solid level, like I'm not even expecting him to be Ryan Ramchek, who's a tackle for the Saints. I'm not expecting him to be up there. But if he's not solid enough to where DJ has at least, you know, a good amount of time in the pocket to throw the football, and he's being pressured from the right side, then you're going to start questioning coaching. And obviously, yeah, you may not really think of Bobby Johnson on the hot seat if just the Zudu goes wrong, because we know, obviously, there's a couple of different things there. But if it's combined, the Zudu and Evan Neal that are struggling, then you got to say, look, okay, maybe we bring somebody else in here to help assist with the offensive line. Now, I personally forget who the assistant offensive line coach is. I believe Sperano Jr. left for another job. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But it's just interesting to think about, and I was thinking about this this morning, 
how the Giants haven't had a solidified starting five since Pat Shermer. Since 2019. 2020, they rotated Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux. They also rotated Cam Fleming and Matt Parrott. Second year, they rotated guys as well. It's really more towards the back of the year where they rotated Ben Bredesen, Matt Skura, and uh, Derek Kelly, who was a backup. Then 2022, they obviously rotated Azudu and Bredesen and then a couple of different things in there. Also, Nick Gates was part of that rotation crew. So, one thing we can't have is your uh, favoritism towards starting offensive linemen. Like, if Klawinski is bad, you got to pull him. you got to pull him. I mean, you're not going to cut him. He could be a solid backup. But if Klawinski's playing bad and Azudu is making strides, you got to sit there and pull the trigger. Because as much as this is about development, this is also about the Giants need to win football games this year. Like, you set the tone last year with a 9-7-1 season. Now it's time to go out there and... Okay, yeah, we care about development, but we need to start actually doing a little bit more because the expectations are high. And I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Brian Dable, Joe Shane should be fired after a bad season. No, I'm not saying that, but you have to look at the reasons. Whatever those reasons could be, if that happens, I'm not saying it will. you got to evaluate after the year, but that's not something we're going to talk about right now. So a little bit more into the game before we get to the discussion. Top matchups. I'm looking at Taman Fox versus Max Mitchell. Max Mitchell, I think, is going to either play the left side or the right side. I would bet on Makai Becton playing, but Becton has looked solid at right tackle. Max Mitchell is the weaker of the tackles. A lot of Jeff fans are not favoring him anymore. He had a decent rookie season, then it was ended by blood clots. And Becton obviously has a ton of shit on his shoulders right now. He played very good right tackle against the Bucks. But Max Mitchell just continued to struggle at left tackle. So I'm looking for Taman Fox to eat against Max Mitchell. I think if he gets at least a few quarterback hits or a sack, I think that's Taman Fox winning the spot. And then whoever else piles there. Jordan Riley versus Joe Tipman, Connor McGovern, Lincoln Tomlinson, Wes Schweitzer. I put a couple of different names out there because I don't know who he's going to be lining up against. But... If Jordan Riley is out here moving Connor McGovern or Lakin Tomlinson, Schweitzer is a career backup. Joe Tipman, he's a rookie. You can still take stock into that because Tipman was drafted in the second round, Jordan Riley in the seventh. But if he's moving at least two of those four guys or making the most of his reps, you got to be really, really hype about this guy coming in the year. And he ate. He has eaten the last two weeks. Ate against the Panthers. He ate against the Lions. So... I'm telling you right now, I wasn't a big fan of the pick because I'm like, what does this guy do? But if he's eating up running backs, if he's eating up offensive linemen, that could be something to really watch for. And let's go into cornerbacks, wide receivers, because I think this is going to be an interesting matchup. I said at the beginning of the preseason, I want Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks to play every single game. Not every single snap, every single game. In the preseason. Trey Hawkins. Versus Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard is a vet. Aaron Rodgers is going to play the first drive. He's probably going to throw to him once or twice. And. 
obviously last year on the last drive we fared with Justin Lane and Nick McLeod against the Packers but this is different this is gonna be Aaron Rodgers settling in against an opposing defense for the first time in an actual game now whether it's preseason or regular season that's a totally different story but Trey Hawkins versus Alan Lazard this is probably going to be the toughest test the rookies have yet and Deontay Banks I think he's going to be playing up against Garrett Wilson if Garrett Wilson plays which I bet he would because if Aaron Rodgers plays and Garrett Wilson doesn't. I mean, that'd be a little silly. But, um, Deontay Banks versus Garrett Wilson. I think that's a good matchup. I think Wilson might get the best of Banks. But, hey, listen, you know, I have been wrong before. I think it's going to be a huge test. And I think it's a good test, honestly, because you look at week one, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, some of the other guys they got coming in there, Brandon Cooks. So this is a solid test two weeks before the regular season. Dane Belton versus tight ends. Dane Belton is going to play, in my opinion, alongside Alex Cook and Bobby McCain. So, Jeremy Rucker, CJ Uzama, Conklin. Um, we'll see how Dane Belton fares against tight ends. Obviously, he's going to play mostly center field safety when he comes in and some of the box. But if he could cover a little bit, hey, listen, I don't have a problem with that. And then also the backup corners versus Jason Brownlee and Xavier Gibson out. Xavier Gibson is a guy who's really found his role on special teams as a return guy in some of the receiving game. Brownlee was a guy who impressed in camp for the Jets really early on, has kind of calmed down over the last few weeks. But why am I talking about those guys against backup corners? Because the New York Giants, um, they need at least one or two backup corners heading into the waiver wire after this game. And if any of these guys don't show out, then it's going to be 100% they go to the waiver wire and get a corner. Amani Oruwari, I thought he was going to make the roster. It's not necessarily something sure. They just cut Radarius Williams, who last year didn't play much. Zion Gilbert, Darren Evans. If they don't show out versus these guys, you wonder if they even make the practice squad because Darren Evans is not a starting NFL player. He's not a backup NFL player. Same thing can be said with Zion Gilbert. Um... And then maybe a few names are forgetting. Jamon Green, undrafted free agent. He's got to show progress in this game. He's got to show progress via special teams, whatever. But backup corners versus Brownlee and Gibson. And even if you play against some of the starters, I mean, just show out. That's my best advice. Because, once again, if that doesn't happen, the Giants are going to go out there and probably look for something in free agency, the waiver wire, the trade market. And then finally, before we get to the discussion, roster bubble players to watch. Edge to Sean Bauer, Edge O'Shane Zimenez. Zimenez needs to fly off this game, in my opinion, to make the roster. A couple of quarterback hits. I wouldn't expect anything versus the run, so I'm throwing that off the table. To Sean Bauer, he's looked good. So I'm expecting him to have another solid game. Ray Wilborn, who the Giants picked up from the Broncos a couple of days ago. I'm expecting him to get more snaps now that... Okereke and Beavers probably not playing. Alex Cook didn't really do much against the Panthers. He was a very impactful player versus the Lions, so if he wants to make the practice squad, I suggest he make a couple of more box plays. Kobe Smith, he's been a guy on the defensive line that has been silent, but deadly. Silent, but deadly. Not a statue type of guy, but a quarterback hit, a pressure here and there. I think he... Probably with the way he's been playing the last two games, I think he's above Brandon Bryan and all those other guys. Now, Kobe Smith, probably a practice squad guy, but he's looked good. Looked good versus the run, looked good versus the pass. 
as the player he is. So Khalil Pimpleton, this is going to be a game he needs to show out. This needs to be a game that he shows out. He probably does not get put as a punt returner or a kick returner because they look to push Eric Gray in that role. But as a slot-wide receiver, someone who's trying to make this roster or someone who's trying to make the practice squad again, catch every ball that's thrown to you, make some guys miss. Bryce Ford-Wheaton, a lot of people are throwing it out there that he might make the team because of special teams. I don't think so. I think he's a guy that they'll throw on the practice squad and then game day, you elevate your two guys. Bryce Ford-Wheaton is that guy up to a point. And maybe they'll get another gunner or something. But Bryce Ford Wheaton, not valued as a receiver, but I think he could be a special teams guy, a gunner, if the Giants choose to go there out. Because Jeff Smith, remember, is no longer on the team. And then one guy that's not a roster mobile player that I'm really looking to watch is Marcus McKeithen. Got activated off Pup. If he's practicing, which I'm surprised a little bit he did not play against the Panthers. But if he plays, I'm looking to watch him. How is he going to look in his first NFL game? Did not play last year's preseason. Got injured at training camp, a.k.a. FanFest. So he's a guy I'm looking to see. How is he going to handle opposing rushers? Didn't really hear much in the Lions joint practices. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's switch over to the discussion slash interview with my man, Jigaman Porto, where we talk about this game and a little bit about the Jets more in depth. All right, so for the interview slash discussion portion, we have Jigaman Porto of Morning Brew Sports. They do a lot of great stuff over there. So it's it's not just Jets, it's not just Knicks, it's Giants. They cover everything related to the New York sports realm. Uh, Jiga, obviously this for a Jets fan, this is like one of the first seasons in a while that there's actual hope around this team to be a very good threat in the AFC, let alone the NFL. What are your opening thoughts? I mean, yeah, let, let's be real. It's been, you know, the best offseason ever for a Jets fan, right? Granted, we always hear the, the narrative, Jets win the offseason, and then they're the same old Jets. This is one of those ones where we win the offseason, we actually have a chance for it to carry over into the season. Um, but if you get past all the Aaron Rodgers hype and all the speculation, you still got to look at it for what it is, man. I mean, we had a solid team last year. When our O-line went down, when Brees went down, that's when we took a major dump. Right. So if we do have that health and I know everybody's overreacting about the O-line and all that, this could be that season where we actually make it to the playoffs, bro. You know, I'm not here beating the drum Super Bowl or bust, but, you know, we, we definitely have the best chance we've had in forever, man. Oh, can I can I also say one thing, bro? Sure. Happy belated birthday, my guy. Thank I haven't you. been able to see you face to face. I appreciate that. Yeah, but the big the big two zero next year will be legal. Does, um, does it suck to share a birthday with a twin? Like the, 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 a little bit, a little piece of you. Like this is half of your. I don't really mind it. I mean, I've dealt with it for twenty years, so you know it, it's just right, going about right, it that way. Right. But um, <laughs> what have you thought of Hard Knock so far? I mean. This is the first year I'm actually watching it because all the years in the past, not Jets related, um, like the Raiders and whoever was on last year, like the Lions. I always I always said I would go back and watch it. But now this year, I actually have my hands on it. And being that I have a brother who's a Jets fan, I've seen it. What do you think of Hard Knocks? So I'm one of those weird ones, bro. Like I'm one of those ones that has watched it every season that's been out. Right. I just okay. always love what they bring to the table. I think their production quality, come on, it's, you know, HBO, like they, they, they invest good money in this stuff. So I, I think for me, that question is, is kind of unfair because you know, I'm going to sit here and tell you it's freaking phenomenal, bro. It's the freaking jets. 
But I do love being able to see that other side of Sala that we were all as Jets fans like, man, does he have that grit? Like, I, I feel like when he made that comment last year with the receipts, that's what really turned Sala around. And we're seeing that in this. Um, right. And I'm telling you, bro, for me, it's like literal New York Jets porn on a Tuesday night. Like, you know, like I feel like I'm doing something wrong when I have the TV on, my door's closed. I'm hoping the kids don't knock. Like, it's that awkward. But I freaking love it, bro. I think it's been good so far. So let's dip into the Aaron Rodgers thing a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Two things to start. First of all, how worldly do you expect Aaron Rodgers to be this year? And the second one is a little lesser of a detailed question. Are you a fan of him playing at least one series against the New York Giants? Because I think there's a historical thing out there. Obviously, you know, he's a veteran quarterback, hasn't played in the preseason in a few years. And then Mark Sanchez obviously got hurt against the Giants a few years ago. Like, what do you, we could start with obviously the first question. How worldly do you expect Aaron Rodgers to be as a New York Jet? I think Aaron's going to be fine, bro. You know, like, you know how it is, you know, not just for us Jets fans, but everybody was, oh, he's washed. It was a down year. Well, you know what? His down year is still better than anything any of our quarterbacks have produced in the last 10 plus years. Okay. So that, that he's washed crap. I don't pay attention to that. I think, for Aaron Rodgers to do what he does and have a defense like he has with us, that's a plus. When you have uh, the weapons around him, let's be real. We have, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson. We've got a decent receiving core. So he has the pieces he needs to be successful. And I think that's the biggest side to it, bro. Even if he were to have his so-called down year, that's still a phenomenal season for a quarterback. You give me his numbers from last year, the Jets are in the playoffs, right? So I think for him, this is really that first time I'm the old guy on campus and I've got all these young weapons and I'm really going to mold them the right way. So I expect big things, bro. Not just as a Jets fan, just looking at it for what it is as a quarterback, right? Everybody wants to talk about the Brady situation and all like stop with the comparisons. Just look at the facts. The man can throw a ball. He throws it fast. You have an O-line that's still, you know, suspect. Okay, great. Well, here's one of the best to ever do it. And he throws the ball so fast and we're going to give him all the weapons he needs. So I'm expecting big things, obviously health, right? We all, any fan base, we all say the same thing comes down to health, but if he's healthy, we're going to make some noise, bro. We're going to make some noise. I would definitely bet on it. And there's some Jeff fans that are like, I don't know about him playing in the preseason. There's that fan side of everybody. That's like, Hey, listen, you know, before the Buffalo game, we'll get to see Aaron Rodgers with the starters and whatnot. Like, what do you think of that from, you could either take the fan perspective of yay, or just like the, perspective of like I, I don't want him getting hurt what do you think of him playing at least one series against the Giants to me it's everybody focuses on the fact that it's it, he's the starter it's Aaron Rodgers right for me I I hate preseason bro like period not for any quarterback just because I even posted it yesterday there's two things you're guaranteed to see guys who are going to make the roster that you didn't expect to know their name and stupid injuries right so I think regardless whoever it is you're risking an injury no matter what it's football we see it in practice, right? Everybody makes it a bigger deal because it's, you know, preseason. Oh, well, everybody's going 100%, whatever. Like, it's football. It's going to happen. So you're going to take that risk regardless. I personally don't mind seeing him for a drive, okay? And I think it's because we're in a catch-22 situation. Here we are a week out, and we still don't even have our official O-line, right? What we expect our five to be. So I think a driver two where he is controlling it in-game action will be great. Now, if I see the first two plays, that line's not holding up, you better pull his ass, wrap him in bubble wrap, and get him off the field. But I'm not mad about it, honestly, bro. I really am not. 
a lot of Jeff fans on Twitter that I've seen have been tossing this idea around. And obviously, I want to get your point on it and your perspective. The fact that Zach Wilson is number two. And there's this possibility out there that, hey, listen, maybe under Aaron Rodgers' tutelage, that Wilson could be at least a a nice quarterback or at least a solid quarterback for the Jets after the Rodgers era. Is that a direct possibility out of the question, or are you not even worried about that? So if you would ask me when we first were getting Rodgers, I loved the fact that Zach was going to be back there learning from Aaron Rodgers. That's his idol. I mean, the kid, I make the joke all the time. He had like his big fat head on the wall. He's got bobbleheads of him in his room, you know, like, so he's learning from the best person possible. But then when you look at it and you take the fandom away, you got to look at, hey, he's really only got a year left. Would they even invest in taking that fifth-year option? You're going to be paying way more than you should for a backup quarterback for the next two or three. Let's say we do get three out of Aaron, right? Now, if there's a world where they're able to bring Zach and keep Zach back there at a decent price and we keep molding him and they see that he's learning, which you're seeing little pieces of it now, right? You're seeing the the copycat uh, footwork. You're seeing the copycat no-look passes that he's learning from Rodgers. It's all a great sign. But to sit here right now, this moment, gun to my head, is he the quarterback of the future? I, I'd say no. You can't You can't bank on that. But if you're able to have a world where, hey, he is progressing, he is doing well, and you're able to keep him there on the low, great. Now, just a couple – I mean, a month ago, bro, I was literally sitting here saying I'd be pissed off if Zach Wilson was our backup quarterback. Like, for me, originally was I want him in a red shirt. I want him learning. I want him with a clipboard. But then you look at a lot of these young guys that these names we weren't expecting. And now you have to look at that 53 man roster and be like, well, you could cut Boyle, keep Zach as the only backup, freeze up another spot when you've got the running back room that we have, you got tight end options. That's one way to free up another spot. So in that case, I'm okay with Zach being the backup because let's be real. If Zach's my backup, if if Aaron Rodgers is hurt, the season's up for question anyways, right? I can say the same thing. We lose an ABT again, the season's up for, for question marks. You lose your, your your Breeze Hall, luckily we have a Dalvin Cook now. So it's just everything kind of goes together, but I'm okay with keeping Zach as our backup, especially to free up another roster spot for someone else, bro. How do you see the running back room panning out? Because obviously Bam Knight didn't have a great night and really hasn't had a great two weeks. I know he fumbled against Tampa Bay, which was big. I think Tampa Bay ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, but they ended up doing something on the drive anyway. So you have him, who was undrafted free agent last year. Michael Carter, who's getting more first-team reps, but it seems like he was very resistant to wanting Dalvin Cook in the room because that would obviously take part in his job. Izzy Abinaconda, the kid out of Pittsburgh, who actually went to high school about 15, 20 minutes away from me. And uh, Brees Hall, who's coming off of the injury from last year. How do you see it shaping up? Well, I mean, if you look at the signs, right, Carter's not dressed yesterday, right? That, that that gives me a clear sign that they know he's locked in as our number three, right? So you've got your your Breeze, you've got Dalvin, then you got MC. Now, granted, he what's his name went down yesterday with the knee thing, right? So that might work in our favor a little bit where you can start the season on the, the PUP list. You keep all your running backs and address it later, right? If there was no injury, you got to kind of look at Bam right now, or excuse me, yeah, it's on the night and be like, Bro, you're having these opportunities, you're not capitalizing. So if there was no option of a PUP list, I think right now where we stand, 
uh, Donovan's the, the odd man out, bro. I really do believe that because as a Jets fan, when we got Michael Carter, we thought that was going to be our number one. Then we go and get Brees, he becomes our number one for good reason. So it's not like the kid just automatically sucks all of a sudden. So it's like you really have those three guys in Brees, Dalvin, and MC. I think those three are going to be freaking killer together. That other spots, man, when it comes down to it, if I had to choose right now, you keep Izzy. You, you, you let him do his thing. He's on a rookie contract. That's where you go. But I have a feeling you can't put either one of those guys on the practice squad and then not get scooped up. So, again, the knee injury kind of works in our favor if we start the season with, with him on the PUP list. You know what I mean? Exactly. And going to the wide receiver position, but we're not talking about Garrett Wilson. We're not talking about Alan Lazard. There's one name that's constantly been thrown around, and I want to get your thoughts on this guy. And I haven't even looked at, like, stats or anything yet. Jason Brownlee, what are his chances of making the roster, or at least the practice squad? Because we know right now that's a – crowded wide receiver room at least the top four or five Hardman, right. lazard randall cobb garrett wilson all the other guys mm-hmm. what are brownlee's chances of making the roster a, a week ago bro the answer would have been oh yeah brownlee keeps showing out it's brownlee but he's kind of gone ghost right so i do see him leaning more towards that practice squad right now especially when gibson is showing up the way he does gibson has that added value on special teams so it's still a toss-up um, for me as a Jets fan, though, bro, the fact that we're sitting here worried about who's going to be receiver number seven and six, seven, and eight, I love it, okay? But I, I think Brownlee's one of those ones that quickly became a fan favorite because we all know how it is. You see the one-handed OBJ replicated catches. You fall in love with these guys, right? He was making a lot of good plays early on, but he's gone silent, man. And it's nothing against him. It's just for the first time in forever, the Jets are in a situation where we can't just keep you because you're decent. You've got to really make this 53-man roster when we're all in the way we are. So right now, I think Gibson kind of has the advantage, bro. Moving to the tight end position, that's another crowded spot. You have Uzama and Tyler Conklin as oh, one yeah. and two. Drafted Zach Koontz this year. You had Jeremy Ruckert last year. Um, and then you you guys have had Kenny Oboa for three years and the rookie EJ Jenkins. Who do you think pulls through as the number three? Do you keep four tight ends or does somebody land on the practice squad? So I, I think they have to, in my opinion, have to find a way to carry four. Okay. Like for me, you're definitely wanting to keep obviously Tyler Conklin, CJ, but if, if I'm picking those other two spots, Jamie Rucker can have a huge season and Koontz is just a freak, right? He still needs time to develop, but you're not going to stash a kid like that and get away with it. You know, they're going to pick him up off the practice squad. So for me, I think you roll with those four. Yaboa, I, I really think it's just a – they might get him on the practice squad or a straight-up cut. Um, but I think this is a, that's that situation where, hey, if you're only carrying two quarterbacks because you got that third spot free, right, with the new changes this year, and then you look at some another area where you can kind of deplete it, you have to go in with those four tight ends, bro. You have to. Right, and also the fact that the Jets are looking to keep Nick Bauden as a fullback. Right. That also shortens up some roster spots. Exactly, right. Areas, especially a tight yeah. end. Um, but let's talk about one of the concerns in the room for the New York Jets offensively, and that's the O-line. On what I'm going to get into specifics in a sec, but on what level are you concerned about what this, what any sort of five can do? Because it's not, as you said before, it's not even set what five is going to start week one against Buffalo. So before yesterday's game, 
I'd say from one through 10, my concern was like a six or a seven. Okay. I wasn't really bugging out about it because again, everybody's just looking at the O-line that they saw in the second half last year, right? They're not taking into account. That was when the ABT went down. We didn't have Makai out there, right? Like all the injuries that were taking place with Schwartz, all of them. You look at it now and it's like, okay, you're resting Brown up the right way. Okay, at the end of the day, yes, he's an older veteran. He's coming off. But you know what? He played 13 games with, with, with a freaking injury. So I have no problem with them not putting him out there. The man knows how to do his job, and he'll do what he does as a left tackle. Now, obviously, the Tipman situation yesterday sets things back. But, you know, when I was talking just last week uh, with Green Bean, you know, one of the things we talked about was Tipman may not be ready right now. We'd love to see him day one. But he might be one of those guys that ends up day, you know, week three, week four. We'll see what happens with this knee injury, but I, I, I'm, I'd say my level's at like a five, bro, because especially after watching Becton last night, playing from that right tackle side and seeing him just maul dudes over, the man's in the contract year. He has a lot to prove. He's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. In his mind, he still believes he's the left tackle of the future, right? So if he has to be moved over to the right and prove himself there, I think he's going to do that. If he stays healthy, again, like any NFL team, it comes down to health. But Brown, Thompson, McGovern, ABT, and Becton, I'm confident in that O-line. We don't need to be a top 10. We need to be a, you know in that 10 to 15 to 16 realm, and I'm a happy guy. Rodgers needs a, a 10 to 15 type O-line to make it work, and I think we've got the right pieces. That's why this week with him going in, I think it's great to see, hey, what is our ones really going to look like? Let them get that chemistry. Let them get the cadences that he throws out there. I know you do that in practice, but you know how it is, man. You'll never get the game experience in practice, even with those joint practices. You know, like when I was at the exactly, you know, like when I was at the Panthers one, you know, it's great. You're seeing Q go out there and, you know, if you ask him, he had 15 sacks on hard knocks, right? But again, you're you're not getting that same level you will, even though it's just preseason. We all know they step it up a bit, even in preseason, because they want to make a name for themselves. Um, so I'd say, bro, honestly, right now with the O-line, I'd say I'm at a five. Uh, I'm not too concerned. I think we're, we're, we're finding the right guys. Moving to the defense, this was one of the oh, biggest yeah. uh, concerns last year. And I know the defense is definitely the hotter spot for the New York Jets. But we're going to get to specifics in a sec. One of the biggest complaints I heard from Jet fans last year, and I saw it myself because I watched a lot of Jet games, was the D-line rotations not playing Quinn in 70 to 75, maybe even 80% of the snaps. Not that they should be on the field like 90%, but to points where you're favoring veterans like Solomon Thomas or last year a little bit was, uh, what was his name? Jacob Martin. There's a couple other guys that fit in there. Are you concerned maybe more or less, maybe less in in the way that, okay, you actually have more solidified talent because you brought in a Will McDonald, Bryce Huff is there. What are your thoughts on the whole rotation aspect? So I, I look at it like I look at everything from last season. A lot of that stuff was your, your, your test run. Hey, this is the kind of scheme we're going to run. This is what I want to do, right? Salah, as a defensive guy, this is what I want to do. This is how my system works. He didn't have all the pieces that he wanted there to be that top five. But even then, we ended up being a top five defense last season, right? So now you go and you're like, Well, now you know how the rotations work. You see my ideas and my concept. Oh, let's go ahead and put a Will McDonald on here. I mean, bro, let's be real. Not as a Jets fan, just period. You got Carl Lawson. You got Quinn and Williams. You got Al Woods. You got John Franklin Myers, Jermaine Johnson, Will McDonald, Michael Clemens. 
I mean, Bryce Huff, Quinn Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, like that whole entire line, you can switch them in and out as much as you want. And they're showing that even in preseason. They're showing that in practice. That D-line is scary as crap. So I think it works to our benefit that they kind of tried out the substitutions last season. So now everybody kind of sees their role and really fits in it the right way. I'll be honest with you, bro. I can see them shifting even more than they did last season with the subs when it comes to that D-line because of how deep we are with depth. So the sack exchange is about to be reunited and it's going to be freaking phenomenal. All right, Alex? It's going to be phenomenal. Well, we'll, of course, we'll see what that happens. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely (laughs) – as a, and I don't, again, I don't hate the Jets, but I do see yeah. like they're going to be a very good team this year, at least if everything goes right. And the next one is a question about one specific guy in the edge room. It's a minor complaint of Jet fans, the way this guy's been treated. Uh, Bryce Huff seems to be less favored in the rotation because you just mentioned all the names, Carl Lawson, Will McDonald, JFN sometimes will play on the edge, Michael Clemens and Jermaine Johnson. Seems like to be a lot of edge guys in that room. Do you think right now, and of course in the past, he didn't get a lot of experience because of the rotations. Do you think right now he could be a trade piece at the waiver wire or during the cut down days for a backup offensive lineman? So I think he'd be a great trade piece, right? But everybody calling for his trade, I'm like, come on, son. Like, get out of here. Stop it, right? To me, you're crazy to get rid of the kid. The kid's great. Right. I really feel we're going to start seeing a lot less of guys like Solomon Thomas. You're probably going to see a little less of Quentin Jefferson. Right. Every chance that Huff is given to show he can do stuff, he stands out. So I can see him kind of solidifying himself more as we're going into the season. Um, I, I'm I'm 100 percent not on the trade him, bro. I think this will be a year for him to break out again. People underrate him big time. Um, so all you Jets fans are like, oh, let's trade Huff. Stop. Just stop. Just let it go. Just keep him right here. I think it's a crazy idea to move him at all, bro. Moving back a little bit to the linebacker position, you guys drafted Zaire Barnes, mm-hmm. someone who's really shown out, at least from what I've seen, Jamie and Sherwood trying to get one of those spots for linebacker. And there's a couple other guys rotating in, of course. How do you feel about the depth in the linebacker room, really outside of C.J. Mosley? Because I know that's partially concerned. Also, Quincy Williams and Nick Vigil are names to put down. And Chaz Surratt had a good first game against the Browns. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I see as as far as our linebackers go, obviously Mosley, Quincy. I I really see Zaire Barnes and uh, Jamie Sherwood locking down those other two. I think those are the four that make the roster come game day. Like, those are the four you're sticking with. Um, I like seeing what Zaire Barnes is bringing, right? You always love a kid that comes in and wants to show stuff right off the gate. He's all over the place. Uh, the front office is high on Sherwood, you know, big time. And me being at practice and being able to watch, I can see why he does have that speed. He does have that athleticism. So I think it's great, but bro, for me, I'm still on a high from when we got CJ Mosley. Okay. I lived two blocks from the Baltimore Ravens facility for two years while he was playing there. So I used to always go watch him at training, got to see his games. I'm a big Mosley fan and he really is that captain of the defense. Right. So I think again, he's healthy. He's going to lead that ship the right way, but I'm really comfortable with those four, man. I love, you know, the, the, the brothers getting contracted up. I think Quincy's going to show out. Um, I think Nick Vigil and them, yeah, you know, they might do stuff, but they're not guys that I think make the final roster. I think those are the four we hold down, and I'm happy with them, man. And I'm starting to learn. If Joe, you know, if Joe Douglas says, this is my guy, 
then just trust the guy. He knows what the hell he's talking about at this point. So if he's like in love with sure with the way they are, I- I'm all for it, man. Yeah, it's all about trusting the process. And yeah. I'm not going to even go to corner because I I do know as yeah. an outsider, <laughs> Sauce Gardner. I mean, Brandon Eccles is suspended the first game, but you do have Michael Carter in the slot and DJ Reed. But shifting that safety position, a lot of Jeff fans were very underwhelmed last year by the production of Jordan Whitehead, you know, missed a lot of tackles because he would always go for the bigger hit and, you know, just not an interception ball production type guy. What's the hope for him in his second year and also the safety next to him? Because there's a lot of different veterans on this team. Got Ashton Davis, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is on the last year of his rookie contract. Um, Dane Krushank, who was brought in, former Bear, former Titan, Adrian Amos, who's a former Bear and former Packer, Trey Dean, who's an undrafted free agent from Florida, and, of course, the guy who was supposedly shown out in camp. I don't think he's played a ton of preseason snaps, to my knowledge, Tony Adams. Yeah. So what's your view on the safety room? So, obviously, you know, the, the Chuck Clark situation sucked. Right. I was excited about that signing. I thought it'd be good to have that energy in his type of play. Uh, the injury set that back. Um, the, the safety position has been something that everybody's been kind of worried about. Um, Tony Adams, right? I mean, they're so high on the kid. He's not even getting dressed for preseason, right? I want to see more of him. Like, personally, like, for me to get the hype that everybody else has, I want to see. Yeah, we saw a little bit of him last season, but not not, not really a big sample size, you know? Um but again, I've got to take that step back as a fan and say, okay, in JD, we trust. This is who they're rolling with. Now, Amos, it's funny because when we went after Amos, I was wanting him, even when we had Chuck Clark, just for depth. Like, go get him for me. Go get him, right? So I think he's a great piece to come in. Um, I think it's one of those ones, man, where with the way this D-line is showing out, we kind of just need these guys to do their job this season. I mean, Whitehead, Adams, Amos. And then let's be real. Ashton Davis is that name that people had on the cut list. Oh, he's not making it. And in true Ashton Davis form, he's like, hello, pay attention to me in preseason. You need me on special teams. I can still do stuff. So I think he does make the roster. For those who think he's not, I think you're wrong. Um, I think they just have to do their job, bro. Like, I know that sounds so simple and like, politi- you know, politician answer. But when you have the pressure that you're going to be bringing up front the way that we can, and guys that actually can get to the quarterback, you have one job. Just stick with that guy you're on. Stick with that man. Don't let him get away from you. That is your job. I don't need you to go strip the ball. I don't need the fumbles. I don't. I don't. I just need – I'm okay. Like, let's be real. Everybody's like, oh, well, we need more interceptions from Sauce Gardner. Why? Why do you need more interceptions? You just – if he's stopping completions and locking it down, that's all I care about. Are interceptions great? Of course, but I'm not going to wait on that. So I think if these safeties just bring the energy that they have with the way this defense is structured, I'm not concerned about them, bro. Yeah, I mean, I like the point you bring up about doing your job. I mean, you you rather have a corner like Sauce Gardner who's, you know, not a big ball hawk, but a guy who locks down just one side of the field right. rather than a Trayvon Diggs who gets like 10 interceptions a year, but, you know, he's beat easily in a lot of double exactly, moves. Exactly, bro. And then just like with the defense and doing their jobs, it seems like the safety in the linebacker room just to have to do their jobs. Like they mm-hmm. don't even have to be elite because you got that stack D line in whatever shape they come out with. And then you got a cornerback room that's really good in the top two, top three guys. So I think right, it's just because also, if you look at like CJ Mosley, right? If there's one thing CJ Mosley's great at is 
his his mind, his football IQ. That's right. His tackling is great when he's chasing the run. Great, whatever. But the biggest thing about CJ is his IQ. If you go and watch all the film, even on plays that games we lose, the way he's able to just the man studies his film. He knows what's coming their way. You've got a guy like that anchoring things with that D line, and he's able to sit there and say, "Hey, Whitehead, it's going over here." Like again, if you all just do your job in that piece that you're required for in this defense, this defense will be a top three defense in the NFL. Final thoughts on the Jets, and I know I did mention earlier, but I want to give you the chance to shout anything out that's going on on the morning Bruce Sports. Uh, anything that's going on that channel, and then just final thoughts on the Jets. Yeah. My, my final thought on the Jets, and, and I'll speak directly to Jets fans, including your brother. Anybody that's doing the whole Super Bowl or bust thing, stop, okay? We are building something amazing. Look at where we are, Jets fans, okay? Where we have, what we have gone through up until this point. Just embrace the fact that we are even in conversation about the fact that we can be a playoff team that can go deep into the playoffs, okay? You should only be looking at, hey, we need to get in the playoffs so we can have a chance. Because when you get to the playoffs, it's anybody's game. We all know that. So please stop at the Super Bowl or bust, okay? And please, the drama uh, between the fans, stop it. We should be the happiest group of Jets fans ever. We get along more when we're miserable, which is beyond me, all right? So I need to see an 11-6 and six minimum. Fingers crossed for a 12-5 and five season. Before we do the shameless plug stuff, I need a question for you, though, bro. Okay, all right. How in love with Darren Waller are you and your Giants fans, bro? Oh, man, I mean, he's he is just unbelievable. I mean, I got to go to a few training camp practices. Um, I mean, we – what was it? Yeah, they opened on the day to the public. That was like the first training camp, and there was just nonstop Daniel Jones, Darren Waller, nonstop. Mm-hmm. And we saw a little bit of that, of course, in the preseason game. And it's not like, you know, Darren Waller was running refined routes in terms of like, oh, he's running this right. concept or whatever. It was slants, basic stuff. It's vanilla. It's the preseason. But there was just one specific route he ran where he beat Shaq Thompson. And I'm yeah. like, dude, this guy's, this guy's going to be unbelievable. The Jones to Waller connection is there. And the, you know what's funny is someone brought this up. Just imagine when Saquon gets on the field, mm-hmm. how much better that will be. And the O-line, I mean, hopefully it, it shores up because we have a, a whole guard phenomenon going on. Right. But if at least they can be a solid protecting unit, blow holes for Saquon, and it's not like last year where most of it's going to be on him for the first half. It's going to be a passing offense. And Paris Campbell who's also looked good. But Darren Waller, I'm going to say it right now for at least right now, God forbid anything happens, knock on wood, he is going to be the best weapon in New York, at least on the Giants' side, since Odell Beckham Jr. I love that you said that, bro. I want to say it was episode two or three on the Jets' evening brew. And we the Giants' conversation came up because, let's be real, you know how our network is. It's all New York fans, right? So we got the Giants guys in there talking smack about the Jets and all that. But I made the statement. I said, and that was before uh, Barkley got, you know, signed the franchise tag and all that. And I said, guys, if – Saquon gets the largest contract known to man from you guys. That is still not the biggest story. The biggest story is what Darren Waller is going to do for Daniel Jones in this Giants offense. I think he's a freaking machine. Doesn't run the best routes ever, but he knows how to get open. And when he gets it, he's hard to bring down. Bro, I think by far, 
he's going to be that weapon. Like you said, you got Saquon coming out. You got to pay attention to Waller. They're going to help each other out so big. So before I leave the show, kudos to that because Waller's no joke, bro. No joke. Jalen Hyatt too. I mean, I mean, I know it was preseason, but he he totally he totally you know did a couple of moves on the safety Eric Rowe in the Panthers game. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we've got uh, the big blue brew now on Fridays with uh, Joe Mike, from the shift, Joe. and he is in love with Hyatt. I mean, he gets this super excited and he starts talking like this. He's in love with the kid, man. No, I mean, I think this is going to be what us New York baseball fans need. Because both of our New York baseball teams suck ass. And now we're going to have a Giants and Jets both being good in the same season. I don't know what's going on in 2023, bro, but I'll take it. I'll take it. It's, it's just an interesting set of circumstances. <laughs> but uh, if you want to throw a quick plug to your channel, I know you guys do a lot of different things over there. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, Morning Brew Sports on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Brew Crew Sports. Everything on our channel. We got Rangers, Jets, Giants, Yankees, Mets, minor league baseball prospects with the pipe. We've got the Rookies podcast. Um, we, we really want to focus on New York sports as a whole and really, you know, build the community that way. Uh, I will announce we will never have a Nets show on our channel. Wow. Suck it, Nets fans. <laughs> Knicks all day, baby. I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, so it's I know, me. bro. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I, I, I've been addicted to pretzels ever since the last time I was on your show. All right. I cannot stop eating pretzels, dude. It's gotten so bad. But nah, man, you know, I love when you guys reach out, anything to hang out with you and your brother, man. And uh, I appreciate everybody checking us out. Give us a like, a follow, subscribe, tell your friends about us. You know, just, just come hang out with a bunch of idiots. Yeah, of course. Um, but I appreciate Jigga Man coming on. You guys got to go out and then check morning. Bruce Sports and all the, the fun shows that they have. Great analysis, good laughs, all that sort of stuff. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, do all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications. Give us a five-star on Apple Podcast if you can. And uh, well, the next time we'll be coming out with a show, it'll be Cut Down Day. <laughs>